Good morning, everybody. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Vineyard Community Church in Wycliffe. Um, Say good morning to those joining us online this morning. Good morning. They're on this camera in case you guys were curious. Not that you can see them, but um, we're going to get started with some worship through our music, and then we're going to have some worship through the word. Brent's going to bring it. Um, keep my father in prayers. He's, he's not sick. He's just preaching somewhere else today. So actually, you can give him crap about that because he left you all here to go somewhere else. So maybe do that. Um, but we're going to get started, so I'm going to pray over us. Um, God, we ask that, uh, we ask for more of you this morning. That was our prayer earlier. More of you in our service, more of you in in every church that's around, but, um, more of your presence and more of you here. We always pray, come Holy Spirit in this space. Um, I pray that each one of us can just feel your presence this morning. And um, we were praying yesterday, and somebody said, we, we need to need you, Jesus, be hungry for you, Jesus. So I pray for that hunger this morning. And I praise you, and I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to get started with some worship. However you feel comfortable to worship, you can. Um, and we're going to get started.
Oh 
Come Holy Spirit, one more time. So come Holy Spirit, come in your power, come inhabit our praise, come
Everything, and I will adore you. 
everything and I will adore you. Do holy, holy, just our voices. Hello, good morning. Is there anybody else in here today that has a birthday besides one obvious person? Cindy? Cindy Langford? Cindy, where are you? Woo-woo. I think she's back there. And who? Oh, so Cindy's in the sound room. But yesterday was a momentous occasion for someone in this room who shall remain nameless, Brent Paulson. <laughs> he turned 65, so, and we're not, we're not going to tell Cindy's age because it's, it's impolite to tell the, the age of ladies, so we just don't do that here. But, um, so I cannot sing, so Kaylee, we will all sing to everybody. Yep, one, two. Happy birthday to Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Brenna Cindy. Sixty five. Happy birthday to you. Woo! 
Yes, thank you. We are so blessed to have such a wonderful um, pastor. Thank you. So, um, who's absent, who's also is my brother from another mother, so. <laughs> so, welcome to the Vineyard Community Church, everyone. We are so glad that you could join us here at the Vineyard and all of you at home. Um, our services are live streaming today on Facebook. Also, we will be sharing communion following these announcements. For those of you at home, grab a cup and some bread or a cracker so that you can join us. And if you didn't get one of these little Mick communion cups, please raise your hand and someone will bring them to you. We are continuing in our fall book study, The Reason for God. Pastor Brent Paulson's message today is called, What Gives You the Right to Tell Me How to Live My Life? Found in Psalm 19. Grab your Bible or cell, laptop, tablet to look up today's texts. You will also find it written in your bulletin along with the section to take notes. And again, we would like to wish a very happy birthday to our Pastor Brent. Please follow us. Uh, please follow. Please join us for a cupcake reception following this service. Today is Name Tag Sunday. We invite you to wear a name tag. Take a moment to meet someone you don't know. I don't do name tags, so my name is Rochelle. There you go. New to the Vineyard, we are so glad that you are here. Next Sunday, October 22nd, there is a meet and greet immediately following service. Join us in the fellowship hall next week briefly to learn more about our church. Now, open your calendar app because we have some plans for you. Sunday, October 29th, come to the Vineyard for a chili cook-off. Browns game. Pull out the flyer in your bulletin. Um, it has rules of the game. Sign up to bring chili. Show up to eat chili. Chili judging will begin at 3. People's choice vote for first, second, and third place winners with trophies. The Browns game is scheduled to start at 4. Please, please bring a snack, drink, or side to share. Trophies. I'm curious now. The Vineyard is once again having a neighborhood fall harvest festival here on Tuesday, October 31st from 6 to 8 p.m. We open our doors and welcome the neighborhood in to enjoy fun, family, food, and, of course, candy. We're looking for donations of candy, juice drinks, water bottles, and snacks. Sign up in the lobby to help out with this great event. And I know we haven't had one for a while, but this is absolutely, um, everyone loves it. So please help um, out with some volunteer time or donations if you can. We're looking for a volunteer four hours a week at our vineyard office. Phone, mail, and computer work. Call the church office found on your bulletin cover or see Denise or Melinda for an interview. Don't forget today's offering. We have a small table set up at the back of the sanctuary for your offering, or you can donate with Zell. At this time, Jan Bishop will lead us in communion. And again, if you did not receive a communion cup when you came in, please raise your hand. And for those at home, grab your cup and bread and join in.
sweet baby girl. Thank you, baby. Jesus told us when we celebrate communion, when he instated, he said, do this in remembrance of me. When we take communion, we are remembering Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. The bread and wine are tangible, visible reminders of Christ's love. Rather than simply saying, remember, Jesus gave us a reminder. Just as we depend on food and drink to live physically, we can only live spiritually through through Christ. Communion is a time of just that, communing. It is a chance to bring ourselves before the Lord and partake in the life he has given us through his death and resurrection. Communion is also a time to be in community with fellow believers, past and present, as an ordinance that has stretched from the original disciples to the 21st century believers and is celebrated all over the world. It brings us together as the body of Christ. Amen. We should also take the time to examine ourselves to ensure that our relationships with Christ is authentic and genuine, not only recalling the inauguration of our relationship with Christ, <clears throat> excuse me, but also seeking to s- discover if there <clears throat> is anything that we need to bring before the Lord, not judgmental but just in our hearts, to make sure our hearts are in a good place. The Lord's Supper is not a reminder of his brutal death, but is a celebration of the incredible, generous grace of God and the valuable privilege of being forgiven. Amen. birthday boy will be up in a minute.
Wow, full house today. Good to see everybody. Awesome. Got a whole bunch of McGaffics over there. They're not McGaffics anymore now, though. They're all kinds of other things. So, <laughs> welcome. Um, <laughs> and we got a <laughs> we've got a Mormon sighting over here. We've got. Bobby and Sue, who else is here? I can't tell. My glasses are all dirty, so I can't tell. So I made the mistake yesterday of my, um, I've been, uh, I kind of trashed my hip in our, doing uh, pantry a while ago, so I haven't been doing much on it, and yesterday I thought, you know, I should probably like do some exercise, start doing some exercise stuff on my legs and doing legs. So like the good OCD person that I am, I did, I, like, all while I was working on my sermon for about two and a half hours, I did stuff. And so then I woke up this morning, and I'm on my motorcycle, I'm riding here. You know when you're on a motorcycle, when you come to a stop, you actually have to put one of your feet down? And both of my feet were like, we don't want to go down. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> and you made us hurt, so we're not going down. And I was like, oh, okay, well then we're all going to go down if you, if you don't go down. So I finally got him down anyway. So um, if if I sound tired and exhausted and wiped out, I am because I did too much yesterday. Um, so we sent a uh, video out to all of you, or most, I don't know if you all got it, but um, in it, it's very simple. It's Therese and I um, have been praying, and, and um, the council and the staff, uh, and we've been just seeking God about future. Right? You know, where are we going? What are we doing? And so we have decided in over the next two years, we're going to actually start transitioning out of our senior leadership role here at the Vineyard. Truce and I came here back in 1987, um, before some of you were born. And um, we are like, we were talking, I was talking to Sam Bishop, uh, junior on the way in here, and he said, you know, you're the f- only the fourth, this, this church has been around before, it was started in like 1958 or something like that, is that when it was started? Somewhere in there, that's when I was born actually, but they've only had four, um, four pastors in the church, and I came, I was the, I ha- am the fourth one, so we're kind of like the Green Bay Packers of of churches, we don't not we don't go through pastors like the Browns do, so um, <laughs> so um, so. But in that process, also we were you know we've just been praying and seeking and asking God, you know, what do you want us to do? We're you know what who who what where why when how, and um, it just seemed kind of clear to the council and to myself and that um, we have some, a couple people that are right in our midst that would be great to start moving into the position of, of senior leadership, and that is um, these two little kids that are in the nursery that we haven't no. It's actually Jim and Denise, or Denise and Jim. You can put it either way as co-pastors. So starting in two years, um, they will. And we're going to tr- do this. I, you know, I don't know how we're going to do the transition. It'll be... Uh, We'll just kind of we we have some things that we're doing and we we have a plan for it. So anyway, um, that doesn't mean trees and I are leaving. Doesn't mean that we're you know going somewhere warm and going to lay on a beach the rest of our lives. Maybe. <laughs> no, we're not. I don't think. I mean, God's not done with us at all. It's um. 
we just feel like it's it's time. We've uh, would like to you know while we're still able physically and stuff uh, just to connect with some of our family. A lot of our family has went to go be with Jesus back in Minnesota and in California and other places. But there, we still have some family around that we haven't got to spend much time with. and going to spend some time there and um, also do some ministry traveling and stuff like that. So we'll see. We'll see what that looks like. But anyway, um, we've still got a couple years that we're going to be uh, hanging around and doing cool stuff. And, and hopefully even after that, we'll still be around. So... Um, I'm excited and also scared and also sad because this has been, this is our, this is our home. You guys are our family, and you have been for a long time. And you guys are a wonderful church to pastor. I I, I remember many years ago when I'm, when I oversee pastors in the Cleveland area, and I get this call from this guy who was starting up a new church, and he goes, he called me up and he goes, Brent, and I'm like, yeah, he goes. My people are all messed up. And I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, they're really messed up. And I'm like, okay, tell me. You know, he's telling me about it. And I said, that sounds like church. He's like, no, no, you don't get it. They're like, he's, he goes, I, don't, I, 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 like to, I like being the pastor. I just, I, I just can't deal with the people. And I'm like, oh, not sure you really want to be a pastor if you can't deal with the people. But it was really funny. I had this long dialogue with him, and I said, you need to think long and hard about what you're doing because you're working with people. And people are people. But there, you know, there are churches, and there's cultures in churches, and this church has an amazing culture has a really good culture of what? Love. And what did Jesus tell us that we're supposed to do? Love one another. You guys have been great. This is a great place to serve. And I, can, I believe that it will continue to be. I believe that it will continue to be a light in the Cleveland area, a light in, in the Wycliffe area. I believe that it will continue to raise up young, young and old pastors like it has. I believe that God's work is going to continue on. This is Jesus' church. This isn't my church. Do you know that? It's Jesus' church. I didn't die for the church. Jesus did. And I'm not coming back for the church. Well, I will come back to the church, not for the church. Like Jesus. Jesus will one day. He will come back for us. So um, anyway, with all that said, you can talk to me about that later or whatever. Um, For only $50 an hour, I will talk to you about it. So... Um, so today we're, we're talking about, actually we're talking about um, script, scripture and um, direction for life. You know, who are you to tell me how I should live kind of thing. And it's, we're, we're looking at Psalm 19, which is actually a really cool psalm about direction and about, about God's law and about you know, following the rule book, following God. And I, I, found, I came across a good story that kind of illustrates this. It was a, a man arriving in New York City, and he hails the taxi, and he gets in the back seat and gives the driver his address, and the driver takes off through the streets of Manhattan, and as they approach a red light, the light turns red, and the taxi driver guns it and goes right through it. And the, the guy's going, what are you doing? He said, don't worry, my brother Felix does it all the time. And soon they came up to another red one, and, and the taxi driver, you know, another red light, and the taxi driver guns it again and goes right through it. And the man's like, you're going to get me killed. He said, don't worry, 
My brother Felix does it all the time. Finally, they come up to another intersection. And as they come up to it, the light turns green and the, the passenger breathes a sigh of relief. Finally, even as the taxi driver screeches to a halt, he says, now what are you doing? And the, pa- the passenger asked the, the driver, what are you doing? He said, hey, the driver replied, my brother Felix might be coming from the other way. <laughs> so, um, there's a certain inescapable logic, somebody wrote, to the existence of most laws. We can flout some laws, break some laws, ignore some laws, but only... We do it only at our own peril. The orderliness that makes that laws make possible has a funny way of reasserting itself too. It seems to have something to do with how the world got made in the first place, doesn't it? The order of the universe, the way it's set up. And so I'm calling this message, how can we know God? How can we know God? And there's a couple different aspects of knowing God. And one of the, one of the ways that we can know God is, is by the silent words of God or the silent works of God. And the silent words and works of God have to do with this. And I'm going to read through the whole psalm right now. It's Psalm, psalm 19, and I don't have it on the, it's not on the slides. It just is there, here, and there. But I'll just read it, and you can look at it in your phones or your tablets or whatever if you want to follow along. Or you can just listen. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, and no sound is heard from from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises from one end of the heaven and makes a circuit to the other. And nothing is deprived of its, of its heat, of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold. They are more precious than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive me my hidden faults, and keep your servant from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I'll be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And Father, bless your words, and may it, may it speak to our lives about your goodness, God, and about your desire for our lives. And, um, and for the good that you have for our lives, the plans that you have for our lives. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first way God communicates with us, which is kind of sort of obvious, but not necessarily, is the, the silent words of God. The silent words of God. It's, it's, it's silent communication. It's like when you, when you see a beautiful sunset. 
and you go, ooh, wow. Or if you listen, if you're like me, I love music. And you listen to music pieces, and I love to play it loud in case you haven't noticed anything. I like, I like to share my music with everybody. I don't know if everybody likes me to share my music with them, but I, like, I love sharing my music with everybody. And um, so that, there's, there's beauty in that, isn't there? I was, and I've shared this before. I was at a Pink Floyd concert once, and the music was so spectacular, I started worshiping. Not necessarily to the words, but just to the musicians. The musicians themselves were reflecting something, and they were reflecting something that was showing me something about the one who made them. That there was such beauty in, in their artistic work and in their professionalism and all that, that it, to me it reflected on the, on the glory or the goodness of God, of who God was. When you see a painting or something like that, and you look at it and you go, man, that is so beautiful. The painting itself is beautiful, but it tells you something about the artist, doesn't it? And when you look at the world around us, like, like um, the psalmist says, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. So the, the, the psalmist, or David, is looking around, and he's going, this is beautiful. This is amazing. You know, this is an amazing creation. In fact, the more, um, the more I kind of learn, the more I realize how amazing it is. Do you realize, and I'm not a physicist, but do you realize that, that if you took, and, and if two atoms were like sort of intertwined for a while, and then you separate them, and you put one in New York and one in Los Angeles, Whatever happens to the one in Los Angeles will happen to the one in New York. How does that work? I don't know. It's pretty amazing. They, they've discovered that what we used to call space, like this emptiness of, we look at it as emptiness, isn't. It's full of matter. There's all kinds of matter between here and there. And when we look out in space, there's full of, it's full of matter. And last week I talked about how, how vast our, 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 our whole universe is. The, the universe is so vast that if the distance between the earth to the sun was the distance of a sheet of paper, the distance to our next solar system would be 300 miles of paper. And that's just one solar system. In a solar system of, of millions or maybe billions of solar systems, the more we discover, to me, uh, in a scientific whatever way, the more I'm in awe of God. I don't, I don't go, oh, that's going to disprove God or something. I go, oh my gosh, God is way bigger than, than we can imagine. And yet somehow this great big God actually cares about you. He cares about me. He cares about this church. He cares about this community. He's not just, he's not just a, a, a cosmic force, a power in the universe. He is the power of the universe. He holds the universe in his hands. And yet at the same time, he's personal. And he cares about us. And he cares about humans. And so the psalmist goes on. In fact, um, uh, Elizabeth Elliot said, a clam glorifies God better than 
than you because a clam is doing exactly what it was created to do, which is be a clam, right? It's doing what it's supposed to do. It's glorifying God in that. And the problem with us is that we're not always doing what we're supposed to be doing or what we're made to do. And one of my hopes today is that through this passage and through this message is that we'll come to that place in our lives where we realize, okay, I was ma- God made me for something and if I actually begin to do and be what he's made me to be and do, I, not only will I be really satisfied and happy and joyful, but it will bring ultimate glory to God. Somehow, we've got this idea that God is trying to keep us from joy, that he's a killjoy. In fact, the opposite is true. We've discovered that when we disconnect from our Creator, when we disconnect from God, it kills joy and sometimes kills us. And so... The first way God communicates is non-verbally. He, he communicates non-verbally. And, and, and we do that too. Teresa will communicate at me non-verbally while I'm preaching sometimes. I can tell when I'm just going someplace I shouldn't be going. She'll be going, you know, she'll just be making some kind of a face. Or else, you, not, you've been in the, most of you have been in this church long enough, she'll just pick something up and throw it at me. So... That's how it works around here. It's, uh, if you're new to the church, yes, yes, we, my wife does throw things at me. Um, you, thankfully, she doesn't have a very strong arm, so it never gets this far. Oh, see? There you go. Told you. So, so we have nonverbal communication. But nonverbal communication, as good as it is, and as wonderful as it is, and as vast as it is, and as much as it tells us about God, in fact, in, in um, Romans 1, it says that you know, what can be known about God has already been made evident to us. That's called, um, you know, it's, a, it's a natural, kind of a natural theology, a theology from nature. Theology from nature can only tell us so much, though. It can't tell us specifics. You know, it can't, like somebody was saying, if you're, you're going in the woods and somebody's trying to follow you, you know, a natural theology is limited. I mean, you, can, you could write a note and tell people, okay, go three miles and then turn left or something like that. Or you could put three rocks there and then have a branch going to the left. But the three rocks and the branch could be interpreted a bunch of different ways unless you've already decided that rocks symbolize miles and a branch symbolizes direction, right? Otherwise, it could mean there's you know, three ogres ahead and you should get a stick or I don't know, you know, it could mean almost anything. So, so sometimes, sometimes nonverbal communication isn't the best. And we do this, you know what, we're, we're pretty good at doing this in our relationships with each other and our marriages sometimes, aren't we? Nonverbal communication. We just think that they should know that I'm upset. I'll do that. I do the silent, I call it the silent treatment. You know, I'll give Teresa the silent treatment. Every once in a while, she'll catch me at it, and she'll go, are you giving me the silent treatment? And I'm like, no. And she's like, yes, you are. And then I'll tell her what I'm mad about. Because I'll just think, well, she should know that she's, you know, right? Any of you do that? You don't do that? So, 
So, so as good as nonverbal communication is, it's, it's better to do it verbally. So what we do verbally, and this is what God does, he, he shows us who he is nonverbally, but then he comes and he shows us verbally what he is and who he is. And so, as he begins to do this, he says this. He finishes, you know, with the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. And, and he goes on. But then he goes on, and he gives us verbal ways to know who he is and what he wants. We need to use words. Remember when text messages first came out? Some of you do. Some of you just grew up with text messages. Some of you, from the time you were born, knew what a text message was. But when first text messages first came out, people didn't know what you meant. And so people were... It was, fu- it was almost funny. There was like the, all this anger and stuff going on because people would be like, look at what they sent to me. And I was like, well, did they, were they mad about when they And they go, I don't know. I don't know if they're mad. And so God created emojis so we would know how people feel. <laughs> so, um, but, but so God begins this whole process of, uh, and of, of verbally communicating to us. And so he begins to speak to us. And there's something really interesting in the Bible that we don't understand. You know, when, the, when it's talking about the law of God, when we think about the law of God, often people think about something that's restrictive, that's regressive, that keeps us back. For the Israelites and for the people of God, knowing the law of God was a good thing. It was a wonderful thing. Psalm 1, you ever read Psalm 1? Psalm 1's wonderful, you know. Blessed is the man who you know, walks in the way of the Lord. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners and sit in the seat of scoffers. And, and for them, for the Israelites, to have this God that would not only make all of creation, but actually show them what they're supposed to be doing and how they're supposed to be living was, was an amazing good thing. Because all the other nations' gods didn't do that. You know, they would be, one day you would, like, you know, if there was a drought going on and you, you, you're like, you're not sure what the God wants. What does the God want? I don't know what he wants. Maybe he wants a sacrifice. And, you know, two people arguing, what kind of sacrifice? I think he wants you. You know, it's like, no, I think he wants you. You know, and so you're, they're just trying to figure this stuff out. So they decide to sacrifice one of them, and, and then it rains. And they're thinking, okay, that's what that God wants. So then the next time there's a drought, they're like going out there again, and like, all right, what did we do last time? Well, we sacrificed that guy. Well, he's gone. We can't use him anymore. We'll have to get another one. So we'll get another one. We, they sacrifice somebody else, and it doesn't start raining. And they're like, I, I don't know. How, this, what this is, how does this work? The gods were fickle. They didn't, they didn't communicate well. So the second part of the psalm, the psalmist moves into directions about God and about 
God's directions for us. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing or restoring the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. They're perfect and trustworthy and right and radiant. In the beginning of that says the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring. And what it means there is restoring the soul. The law of the Lord is, is perfect, it restores the soul. And what that means is to um, make us into who we were made to be. God's words to us and God's intention for us is to, to make us who we're supposed to be. Do you ever feel like you're not really who you're supposed to be? Do you ever feel like you're like, I, I just don't want to be like that. I, I know I'm, you know, I've been grumpy, and I don't want to be grumpy. You know, or I'm, I'm struggling with, with overeating, and I don't want to struggle with overeating. And, and I, want to, I want to become kinder. I want to listen more. I want to be more generous with people. I don't want to be stuck in some of the bondages I'm stuck in. I don't want to overspend all the time. You know, I, God, I want, to, I want to be who you made me to be. And so it says the law of the Lord is perfect. Re, and, and somebody put it this way. They said it's like rewiring, rewiring the soul, rewiring us. And that's what God does. That's what Christianity is all about. It's about God restoring us. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making simple, making the wise simple. The precepts are right, giving joy to the heart. You know, we don't we don't think about all of those things as something that is good, do we? When you think about reading, have you ever listened to like Le- Leviticus or Deuteronomy? You know, and they're talking about putting. You know, I've been listening to, through the Old Testament, and they're just on that place where it's like the priests are to go in the temple with this, you know, mound of blood, and they're supposed to throw it on the walls, and then they're supposed to put some of it on the horns of the altar. And do you ever go through that stuff and go, "What is this all about?" I thought I should write a book on what all those things mean because they actually do have meaning, and they do have purpose, and there's a reason for them, and God talks about them, and. And there's, 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 there's some power in them. Scripture has power to wake us up and to make us who we're to be, to refresh our soul, to restore our soul. There's a, um, kind of a cool picture of this in, in one of the... Uh, by the way, this is a, we're doing a series. This whole series is by Tim Keller, and so I'm trying to follow some of his format for for what this, what this uh, he has a chapter on this in the book, and I'm, and I'm trying to stay connected with it. But there's a really cool picture in there in, of um, this prince, and his name is Prince Caspian. And he's been captured, and he's being held in this place, and he's being kind of fed these lies all the time. And so he, at, at night especially, he starts remembering the world that he came from. He starts remembering what real life was like or should be. And yet they keep him strapped to this. It's called the silver chair. And they keep him strapped to the silver chair. And one night somebody gets to him a sword. And he gets this sword. And he's able to cut himself free. And then he just starts destroying this chair. 
that has kept him from understanding what's real and what's true. And that's really kind of what happens with us when God's word begins to come into us. Its intention coming into us is to transform us, to make us into who God wants us to be. You know, one of the things I've started to do at night, and I've done it for a long time, is before I go to bed, and I like to, I fall asleep listening to other stories and stuff, but one of the things I've been trying to do is just turn on, you know, Bible Gateway's got this thing where it will read scripture to you. And I've been trying to listen to it and to just let it kind of work. And when I do, you know, and, and I want to give you permission today, because you're going to listen to some of it, especially the Old Testament, and you go, what the heck is that about? You know, and my encouragement to you would be to find something that goes along with it. Maybe I'll send out some notes on some things that might be helpful to help you understand what the heck that's talking about. Because you get into some of the sacrifices and stuff, and they get really unique and, and specific. And God gets really detailed about stuff. Have you ever thought about that, that how detailed God gets about stuff? You know why God gets detailed about stuff? Because he cares about the details in our lives. He cares about, you know. We're, Teresa and I were listening last night to this beautiful song that, that Bob Dylan did many years ago called Every Grain of Sand. And every hair is numbered like every grain of sand. Did you know that every one of your hairs is numbered? That's how much God knows about you. And though he makes this vast and wide universe that is even, scientists think, continuing to expand, yet somehow this, this God who knows everything cares about every hair being numbered and every grain of sand. Scripture also makes, makes wise the simple, helps us, to, helps us to begin to understand life and helps us to begin to realize that we don't know everything. Do you know how, and, and this is just a simple illustration that Tim Keller was using, you know how we, like when, you're, when you were 40 and you look back at when you were 20 and you thought, man, I, I was really stupid back then. You know, I was like, I did some really stupid stuff, you know, or, or even more when you were 20 and you look back at when you were 10 or 12, it's like, oh man, that was like, and then you get to be, you know, 50 and you look back and you go, I wish I would have known what I know now then I could have avoided everything. I could be king of the world, you know, kind of thing. It's like, not really, but, um, and, there, and there's a reality with that, that we're, we're always growing and we're always realizing that the, I, the present who we are, we're going to look at in the future and go, man, I, I was really, I, I thought I had it all together. I thought I knew everything then, but I didn't. You know what? We're going to always, hopefully you're going to always be like that because you're going to always be growing and developing in who you are. In fact, John Wimber used to say, he, and I never understood this. I was like in my early 30s or late, late 20s, early 30s. John would say, you can't take yourself seriously until you're at least 50. And I was like, why? I mean, I was like, I don't know how old I was, 35 or something. I know, I know a lot. You know? and, it's like, and then I got to be 45, and I'm like, I don't know hardly anything. And then I get to be, now I'm 65, and I'm like, 
Okay. There's a ton I don't know. I know that God loves me. I know that God loves you. I know that God's trying to restore this world. I know that God is at work in our lives. I know that God is good. I know that God can forgive any sins. I know that God wants to be with you. I know that God loves you. But there's a lot of stuff I don't know that I thought I did. And then there's the searching word of God. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. There's the searching word of God. Who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. You know, one of the most dangerous parts about us is the stuff we don't know. I'm working as Jim and Denise are moving into, stepping into the, this next stage of leadership for themselves. I'm doing what somebody did with us, which has made us go through all these batteries of tests, and not tests, but inventories about stuff. And one of the reasons we did that, and they did that test in seminary, is that so that we would get to be able to get a little bit of better grasp of of ourselves and how how we come across and what's inside of here and what are our inner motivations and what's what are our hearts like. And the fact is that I, I do believe that Jesus transforms our hearts and I believe that he makes us new and that he does transform us and that that he's at work, that he's God is at work to to make us into his image and that we are being changed from glory to glory, that he is made me different and better than I was when I first got here. And that by the time I die, hopefully I will be better than I am right now. That God is able even to do that, even in somebody like me. That God is really great at that. But there's things even deep inside in me now that I'm not even aware of that sometimes draw me into things or attract me to things that aren't good for me, that are downright dangerous for me. And so the psalmist is writing, but who can discern their own errors? And one of the reasons we do the, some of the inventory stuff and, and when we work with leaders and stuff is to help us begin to understand our own selves and how we come across to other people and our own motivations. What are our motivations? And our motivations are, are many. A lot of us, you know, have lived our lives to make other people happy. People-pleasing. Isn't that a huge one? Some of us live to have other people like us. And some of us, like Jesus, live to please the Father. And then he says, not only don't even, you know, keep me from my hidden faults, but also keep me from my willful stuff, the, no, I sh- the stuff I know I shouldn't do, but I do. You know, that, that Romans 7 passage, the dooby-dooby-doo passage, you know. Help me not to do what I shouldn't want to do, and I don't do, and I do it anyway, and I don't want to do it, and why do I do it, and I don't know why I do it, and who's going to help me not do what I shouldn't be doing? Amen? Amen. It's <laughs> Jesus. And it says, who will save me from this body of death? Jesus. Jesus can come and transform us from that into him.
He comes and takes all of who, who, who we are upon himself on the cross and gives us who he is. And that's pretty amazing. Then I will be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. Forgive my hidden faults and transform us, Lord, and make us wise. And last of all, he brings us to that place. Where he said, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of th- th- these words of my mouth and these meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. May you transform us, Lord, at the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart. May we be able to see you, Lord, in the creation around us, and in every grain of sand. And may we realize that, that you care amazingly deeply about us. And may we be people who begin to believe that you have good for us and, and that your law is perfect, restoring the soul. And that your ways are good. The early Israelites didn't look at the they didn't look at at the law as a bunch of horrible things that we had to do. They looked at it as like we rejoice in you. Have you ever wondered that? You read the Old Testament, it's like, I love the Lord, I love his law, da 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 da. We don't we don't live like that, do we? I don't think we live like that because we don't really understand it. So Father, would you come? And would you help us to, to become who you created us to be? I, I, this, this passage is, in, in some ways, it's, it's a challenge to us to even understand everything that you're talking about here. But Lord, we realize that, that your, your whole goal in revealing yourself through your, through your, silent, through your silence, through the mountains and the, and the vastness of the oceans and all of those, they, they reflect and tell us a little bit about who you are. And then you give us specific words about how, how we are to live and, and how we are to be. And, and those, even those things are things that are good and they're of, they're of great value, Lord. You said that, that, that your, law, your, your law is sweeter than honeycomb. Your precepts are sweeter than honeycomb. And that it's it's that knowing these things is worth more than than gold, worth more than much gold. It's of great value to us. This is not something that you have for us to make us miserable. It's something that you said will make us happy. It's something that you said will, will satisfy us. It's something that you said that will restore our souls and make us and knit us back together. And you said it's worth than millions and millions of dollars. It's better than having millions and millions of dollars having this. And so help us to look at all of this like that. Help us not be enamored with the millions and millions of dollars, but help us to find our satisfaction and the sweetness in our life through your words and through you and help us to completely trust you.
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As always, we have prayer for anybody who would like prayer. Um, if you're, you know, he says, you know, keep me from my willful sins, the stuff that we know, and help me with the stuff we don't know. If you're one of the, you know, if you have stuff going on and you don't even understand why you keep doing what you're doing, it's not, not bad to get prayer from people. So be welcome to come and get prayer. God bless. God's blessing. It's great to see all of you today. God bless.